Welcome to Uphill Conversations, your ride-along partners for your emerging future. Everything in life worth having is uphill. You can't go uphill with downhill habits. It's time for another show with your host Tim Picararo and Megan Finner. Are you ready to be inspired? Well, hello and welcome to Uphill Conversation. I am your host, Tim. And I'm Megan. And we're so glad you could join us as you are living your life and heading towards your emerging future. Hopefully, you are eliminating any downhill habits and canceling out all agreements with limiting beliefs. And yes, it is true. You can be more, do more, and have more. So this is episode 29 and our first time doing a tag team interview with a guest on the show. Uh, Tim has been a huge support as I've joined the team and I wouldn't say he threw me into the deep end um, on this, but he basically did, uh, having me take the lead on this interview. Kind of like the friend on the side of the pool that just kind of pushes you. <laughs> yes. and you're like, I don't want to go in. But you got to swim. But you got to swim. And yeah. I, I pushed you in. And you did a great job. Yeah, it was wonderful. And we had a great guest, uh, which helped a lot. Yes, yeah, she was um, easygoing. She was. And we're going to get into that um, here shortly. But before <laughs> we do that, it is random question time. Okay. For you. So you take that deep breath. Yeah. And you're, you're going you're gonna to like it. All right? <laughs> okay. So... You discover a beautiful island upon which you may build your own society. You make the rules. So what is the first rule you would put into place? Wow. (laughs) (laughs) The first rule I would put into place. Yes, your island. You discovered it's beautiful. Your island. You get to make your own society. You make the rules. And the first rule you got to put it, you put into place. The first rule is that everybody in the whole society has to figure out how they're going to contribute, and they have to make a statement about that and say, "Here's how I'm going to help the society." All right, so that's their key, and that's the only way, and they got to answer that. So, would you then they have to answer it and commit to it, and commit to it? Yes. And then you, then you would look at that to decide whether or not they could join your society. Sure. Okay, but because what if they say they commit to it and they put it out there? Is there like would they ever have to? Would, could you kick them off? Yeah, they get kicked off the island. <laughs> <laughs> they're, gone, they're gone. So it's just, but you, that's what it have to be. Yeah, I think that's what it would contribution contribution and and commit to it. Yes. Okay. See, that wasn't that bad. That's a pretty good question. It was it was fine. I did not expect it. Yeah. See, you were you were waiting for something. You're like, he's gonna get me <laughs> something. No, was, but that's good. I would like to know other people's uh what the what the first rule would be for other people. Yeah. So if you're listening and you would like to share that with us, what would be the first rule you? You find a beautiful island, it's it's you know, an undiscovered island, it's yours, it's you're gonna create a society. You make the rules. What would be that first rule that you would make for your society? Email us an answer at tim at uphillconversations.co or megan at uphillconversations.co or you can hit us both up at connect at uphillconversations.co. So this interview, um, t- 
Tell us a little bit about Kim. So in this episode, we interview uh, Kim Addis. She is the founder of Frame of Mind Coaching, uh, and she uses kind of her own technique to lead people through the coaching process. And she was just a really fun, interesting guest to have on the show. Yeah, and I love the the fact. Yeah, she's full of energy. Mm-hmm. She's like, bam! <laughs> like she came out of the gate. She was going. Like she even redirected us back to our questions. Like, she did. <laughs> like I'm not done. There's more to my answer, <laughs> which was awesome. Um, but my thing that stood out, or what stood out to me, in what my biggest takeaway was just her, just everything around journaling. And journaling is hard for people. Mm-hmm. And she used this phrase, and I love it. Get those journaling juices going. Journaling juices. I was like, that's a cool little, you know, journal juice. <laughs> <laughs> you know, because people get started and then they stop, you know, and then they get stuck on, well, what do I write about? And like they overthink journaling, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? But she's talking about how much is in that if you actually do that. Yeah. And I think that by using that technique, she, one thing you mentioned is she really helps build trust with the people she's talking to. And it's an ongoing process. So it's not like you're having a meeting this week and, you know, you don't meet for another few weeks. You have this ongoing relationship you're building with your coach. Right. And there is that empathy, compassion thing. Yes. So for me, that's that's really what stood out is we talked a little bit about, you know, how does she stay uh, positive and keep her forward momentum when she's working through these people uh, through their issues? So she calls it um, crushing the tough stuff. And she made the statement that empathy can actually be really dangerous. Uh, So you don't want to get down into the mire with those people and take on their suffering. But rather than being empathetic, it's important to be compassionate. Yeah. And it was like very eye opening for for, for me. I was just like, wow, you know, you don't think about and her illustration or the way she, Mm -hmm. you know, shows you the difference. I mean, gosh, it was it was so good. So as you're listening to this episode, and we hope that you enjoy it, we also want you not to forget to subscribe to the show if you haven't already at uphillconversations.co. We really want you to give us the rates and the review, rating and review, always easy on iTunes or Stitcher or on the website. You can even make comments on the website. You can. Right? And we also have a little button on the website to where if you know someone that would be a great guest, someone that would be open, transparent, be willing to share information about who they are, how they show up in the world that would help the listeners and just be an encouragement and inspiration and a good ride along uh, bit of information for people. Um, hey, click that button and you can even su- submit for them somebody you think and we'll reach out to them. You know, we would love to do that. So hopefully you will and we will get in touch with them. So without any further delay, let's jump into this episode with Kim Addis. Well, welcome to Uphill Conversations, Kim. Uh, we are really excited to have you on the show. So first, uh, how how are you? How are things going in your world? I'm great, and I'm really, really looking forward to having this conversation with you guys today. Awesome. Well, Tim and I, uh, if you've listened to the show or kind of talking through what we do, we really believe that your current condition does not match your emerging future and that anything 
worth having in life is uphill. So in listening to um, you and your podcast, which is titled Resilience Radio, Crushing the Tough Stuff, which is a great name, uh, reading your bio, um, listening to a couple interviews with uh, you and David T.S. Wood, I was just so fascinated by your story. So if you would, tell us a little bit about your journey and what drew you to coaching and development. Wow. Okay. So, uh, you know, when you're a kid and you're the type of kid that other kids want to talk to, like you're not a threatening kid, you're not necessarily the coolest kid, you're not necessarily part of any particular pack, but you're kind of all over the place. Well, that was me. I was the kid where everybody would come and talk to me about their stuff and they would talk to me from their different groups, right? So they would take me aside and talk to me. So coaching was always in my DNA, but I didn't know it until later on in life. So what happened to me? I uh, got married pretty young. I got married when I was 20. And uh, for a while, we had a pretty good marriage. And we even built a company together. We had two kids. And uh, the company we built, we, we used to own a software company. And the software was designed as an assessment company. And so what we would do is we would help companies make better hiring decisions by giving their incoming potential hirees an assessment. And uh, they were simulation-based assessments. And the purpose of those assessments was to figure out who the best candidate for the job would be. And we created assessments for all kinds of industries, all kinds of companies. And as a result of that, we collected a lot of data and really started to learn and study under what circumstances, like who makes the best candidate for any position. And we found out something very interesting, that it didn't matter what position in the company, it didn't matter what industry they were searching for a job in, but there was one characteristic that always kept standing out over and above everything else, and that was if, if a person had a higher degree of emotional resilience, they were going to be more likely to succeed than other people. So that was a very important part in my kind of coming to coaching. Mm -hmm. So emotional resilience, key to incredible performance. So that's thing number one. Thing number two is I ended up getting divorced. And so I faced my own adversity, my own challenges in life. And man, getting divorced is not easy for anyone who's listening, who's in the middle of that. It's one of the toughest emotional rides of a lifetime. And for me, uh, one of the ways that I kept my head above water, or at least found some oxygen to just recover from all of that is that I journaled. And I would journal about my fears, I would journal about my anxieties, I would journal about my anger, whatever it was that was going on for me emotionally, I would write about it. And more importantly, not only did I use it to unload that emotional stuff that was going on, I also used it to start to figure out what I wanted to do next. What kind of career did I want to build? Uh, what kind of relationship did I want to have? What did I want for myself physically? You know, how much did I want to weigh? How much did I want to uh, spend time with others? What kind of mother did I want to be? I was a single mother at the time. So those two things combined, the fact that I learned about emotional resilience and the fact that I went through my own adversity and really leveraged journaling brought me to building a company called Frame of Mind Coaching, brought me to, to Frame of Mind Coaching. When we look at coaching as a whole, we see that a lot of coaching is focused on helping people reach their goals. And I kind of felt like that's not what I want to do. I think people can reach their goals if their head is on straight. 
And I thought something prevents them fundamentally from reaching their goals. And if I can address that and help them line up their thinking or really strengthen their emotional resilience, then it would be easy for them to reach their goals. And that's where Frame of Mind Coaching was born. Now, did you, when, you know, and I love that emotional resilience, did you, um, in the journaling process, right, um, in writing all these things down and, you know, going through the process, which I believe heavily in, you know, you need to track your steps, you know, it's important to, you know, know where you've been so you can even think about where you might want to go. Um, how did the journaling, though, actually become, you know, part of, you know, what was the, uh, I don't know, seed for this resilience? How did the journaling translate over to resilience? Okay, so what is resilience? Resilience is the ability to bounce back from adversity with grace and agility. Let's call it that, right? So something bad happens to you and we're human. Something bad happens to every one of us at some point in our lives because that's just the way life works. And so something bad happens to you. And the question is, what do you do with that? A person with a high degree of emotional resilience not only bounces back quickly, but they take that negative experience and they turn it into something positive. They leverage that experience. So for me, I went through this, you know, rough divorce, you could say, and, you know, it was coupled with other factors, having kids, we ran a business together. So all of a sudden, like for me, my whole life kind of changed in one moment. And so now what? So the journaling allowed me to lay down my emotional state, but also, and here's one of the critical parts of building your emotional resilience is say, okay, so where do I want to go next? I can't stay here. Here doesn't feel good. Here feels awful. It's terrible. I'm debilitated. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm in a state of chaos. Where do I want to go? How do I want to be? And just that question alone allows you to envision a different place. And only until you can envision a different place, like that's the only thing that makes it even remotely possible to get there. You have to leave where you are and envision yourself in a better state. And journaling allows you to do that. Okay. And Kim, when with journaling, kind of to take a step back, is that something that you had always done? Was that always a part of your life? Or did you engage a coach or was there someone who helped you uncover that method? Yeah, you know what? I always journaled when I was a kid. I remember being in high school and I was secretly madly in love with this guy and he never knew and I never told him. But so <laughs> well, I, gonna, I what's his journal. name so we can tell him oh, now? We don't want to know. We, we want to <laughs> this. <laughs> but the point is the point is that, you know, I, I had like I'm an emotional person, right? I had a lot of stuff going on inside of me. And so I had to put it somewhere. And so I always journaled and then throughout my, I'm remarried now, but throughout my first marriage, I noticed like if, if I look back, I used to journal when things went south. I was not journaling when things went, were great, but when I had a fight with my ex-husband, boy, that's when I took out my paper and pen and just uh, laid it out there. Was that kind of like, like Alanis Morissette, like some mad girl music? Maybe, <laughs> that's what it is. But, but I've always journaled. And then, and then kind of as I walked into my divorce, I was like, okay, I need something. Again, I, I say that it was a source of oxygen, but honestly, it just helped me keep my equilibrium. Mm -hmm. Otherwise, you know, you feel like you're drowning in that mm -hmm. pool of insanity. And so you, you, 
went kind of from this place where, you know, you said you journaled about kind of the things that weren't going well. And, you know, you're talking about using this method for coaching and to help people, you know, gain momentum and move their lives forward and and really write kind of where they want to be so that they can start putting themselves um, in that in that world of where they they want to go. So when did that I mean, shift happen, and and when did you kind of realize the power of that? So, uh, and I'll tell you two parts. Okay, so part one is I I realized that so I own this company uh, with my ex husband. I ended up selling my shares because our marriage, like the partnership, wasn't working, and so that got dissolved. And so here I am. What do I do with myself? I got recruited by a coaching company locally in Toronto. I live in Toronto. Mm-hmm. And so I started to work for them. And as I started to work for them, I thought I got very excited because I thought this is this is really, really aligned with who I am. I, you know, I just felt like it was the right place for me to be. But as I learned more about what they did, I felt, no, this is not so much the right place for me anymore. And the reason is because I watched what they were doing. How did they coach? And fundamentally, they coached using what we would call the accountability model of coaching. And you may have heard of it before, but it's, you know, here, you have a goal. Let's say, Megan, you have a goal. Great. Let's create a plan. Let's break that plan down into manageable components. And I, as your coach, will hold you accountable to those to those pieces and get you moving forward, get you to take action to get you where you need to go. Does that sound reasonable? Like that's the way most coaching works, right? Mm-hmm. Have you heard of that? Oh, yeah. And I'm totally uh, – mine is – I totally stay away from that. And I agree with you. My, my attitude is this, how about this? We're going to dig deep. You're going to, you're going to find these answers. You're going to bring them out. You're going to, from there, create a master, you know, you're going to mastermind your future and then I will hold you accountable, but I'm not going to say, let's set the goals. Let's get to the, let's get to what's really going on. Let's talk about that. And from there, you can take a fresh look. You get another point of view. Finally, a fresh point of view, because I'm going to tell you, nothing's going to change until you look at it differently. Right, exactly. So so for me, I felt like, you know what, people know what they're supposed to be doing. They're not doing it, though. So there's something interfering. There's something at play here. There's something blocking their ability to take the action that they think they should be taking. So what's up with that? And so that's where journaling came into play. If we can see how people think, and really understand their perspectives, their values, their patterns of thought. If we could really dig in, as you say, and understand what they believe to be true about themselves and how the world operates, then we can make progress. Then we can help them line up their thinking with their goals. So I don't have to manage their actions. I don't have to hold them accountable to anything. They're adults. Why should they answer to me anyways, right? And and that didn't really make sense. What I need to do as a coach is help them figure out what's getting in the way, move that out of the way, and help them become accountable to themselves. So that's really where journaling fit in. So, and really, why do we ask our clients to journal is so that we can see how they think in a variety of situations. So they're journaling every single day. But my purpose is to understand their beliefs because I've been coaching for 11 years and really beliefs run people's lives. What you believe to be true will determine how you experience this lifetime. Yeah, I mean, absolutely. And, you know, one thing that I've heard Tim say a lot of times is behavior follows belief. So um, if you don't have if if you don't know what you believe and if you don't have a strong handle on um, being able to own those beliefs, it's going to be really hard to uh, 
to have the right behavior or the behavior that you want to have or be able to even get people to to do what they need to be doing. Um, so I guess along that line, you know, as you were launching this new coaching method and as you were starting your own coaching career, uh, did you have any obstacles that you had to overcome? And, and how did you not surrender to that crisis of non-belief? Oh, man, I had a lot of obstacles. So the first obstacle I had was, man, I've never coached anybody a day in my life. How am I going to coach someone? (laughs) Right. So that was the first one. The second one was, you know, again, going back to the traditional model of coaching, which was all I had been exposed to is how do I introduce this new model? Mm -hmm. And, And so there were all kinds of kind of technical difficulties I had. But one of my greatest challenges or, you know, the one that existed in my mind was, how do I coach someone for a whole hour? What are we going to talk about for a whole hour? (laughs) Oh, my God, how am I going to fill that hour? And so part of it was I need to be equipped as a coach. And so if I could get them to journal, then I could talk about what matters to them and they'll write about it in their journal and they'll give me material to work with. Right. So initially journaling was not only a way of getting to understand their thinking, but it was always also a way of equipping me as a coach to not feel kind of empty. Like I wasn't coming to every call empty handed. I was coming to the call fully equipped. And so journaling was a bit of a, a, a buffer for me. It, it saved me in a way. The other problem I had was, okay, so really I'm going to talk to one person for an hour. So when I first started coaching, like my first ever coaching experience, I was strategic. And I thought, okay, I'm going to make up for my weaknesses. And what I'm going to do is I'm going to coach a group of people. If I coach five people and everybody talks for five or 10 minutes, then the hour will pass, right? That's mm-hmm. smart. And so yeah. the, the other part <laughs> was I said, I started coaching people in the field of real estate. And while I knew a lot of people in real estate, I didn't really have any real estate experience. And I thought, oh my God, what if they ask me real estate questions and I don't know the answers? So what I did up front was I hired somebody to co-coach with me who had real estate experience. And so and and you know after one or two two rounds of coaching we got rid of him. I didn't need him anymore because I started to understand I don't need to know real estate in order to be a really effective coach. But right off the bat I got really deep. And and that was a very important part of my approach to coaching which is to really focus on how people think and how their thinking impacts their results. And so right from the beginning, I knew I was onto something big, especially with the journaling. And so shortly thereafter, I got my first client, my first one-on-one client, not a group client. And I remember thinking, oh my God, now I'm really being tested. And every single time we had a conversation, that client would say, I hate you. Because we were going deep fast and we were, you know, making impact after impact after impact. And it was really kind of changing his world. And he was kind of stunned every time. And every time he said, I hate you, I thought, man, I'm a good coach. And so I started to realize that this stuff was coming naturally to me, that I had an instinct and an intuition coupled with an intellect altogether that could really create something magical for each client. And then the other thing, that client, by the way, the one who hated me, he became my first coach. In other words, I hired him. He coaches for me now 10, 11 years later. Wow. That's awesome. And, you know, um, I like it when someone goes, gosh, I hate you. (laughs) I mean, that's one of those because, you know, you're in the right vein because if it's all, you know, 
feeling good and fuzzies. It's kind of like what like a massage therapist doesn't like you to hear like, oh, I feel so good. They are like that. They don't want to hear that. They want to hear that they're digging in. You know, it's like they're hitting right. some spots that you know are uncomfortable. And yes. and the, you know, a couple of observations, and I love this that you said. You know, you know, journaling gave you the content. I'm I'm of the firm belief that I do not have to be an expert in anything to be your coach. Right. <laughs> You're the expert in your own life. My job yeah. is to help you find that stuff. And yeah. that's all I want to do. So in, in the way that you're using journaling, which is kind of cool, it just, you know, I was thinking, gosh, it's like a check engine light. She's, you know, by getting her folks to journal, you know, the oil lights coming on, check engine lights coming on, something is coming on. And yeah. then you're able to be a better guide. Um, the second thing by your process, I think it's pretty cool. You're building trust because, yeah. I mean, if someone came up to me and said, hey, Tim, can I read your journal? I'd be like, uh, no, <laughs> I'm <laughs> right. reading my journal, <laughs> you know. So right. is, that, is that is that one of the methods? Like when you're doing your process, do you do you have some kind of online thing where they share the pages? Like how does yeah. that work? So so what happened early on, because you asked me about my challenges, I didn't share this one, I didn't uh -oh. have a chance to get to it, <laughs> was at the beginning I used like Blogger, this off-the-shelf blogging software for people to journal. And then one day one of my clients, he his wife, who happened to be pretty good at IT, hacked into his uh, personal journal and read what he wrote. And it uh -oh. wasn't good. It, was, it wasn't a good. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. It was terrible. It was so and that bad. Was a, and that was another coaching session, right? <laughs> that was, yeah. And, well, yes. And needless to say, they are no longer married. But that's not the point. The point is that at the time when I heard that she read his journal, like, my, you know, when your heart falls into your stomach? Well, that was, that's what happened for me. And I thought, oh, my God, my career is over. My reputation is done. Like, I'm done, right? Like, I just, this can't happen ever again. And so, and this was many, many years ago, I built my own piece of software that had bank level security. Mm -hmm. So it's called Journal Engine, and we use it for clients to journal. We also license it out to other coaches, speakers, trainers, corporations, et cetera, out there. But it was that, that was a game changing moment for me. You know, you asked me about challenges, that challenge could have shut me down, but instead I, I decided, okay, I'm just going to run with this and build something that I feel my clients could feel safe in. So what happens is at the beginning of every week, they get a journaling question. And the purpose of the journaling question is to get their kind of journaling juices flowing. And every time they journal, their journal comes back to me or one of their coaches, whoever they're working with, and I read and respond to their journal. So you talk about building trust. And trust is built not only because I get to read their journal, but trust is built because of the frequency of contact. Every single time they journal, I read and respond to the journal. So it's a very intimate and very intense experience. Hmm. So I'm by their side every with every thought, you could say. So the next time we talk, which is a week later, I don't have to catch up. I'm already caught up. They've already told me everything they need to know. And so what we're doing is really propelling them forward on every single call. It's, it's really a magical experience because one of my beliefs is that a really great coaching experience is dependent on the relationship that exists between the coach and the client. So the, the client absolutely needs to trust the coach and showing up consistently is half the half of the experience. Mm. So Kim, I 
in reading about your company and your your team, I know that a lot of the people who work with you are and are kind of in your coaching. They've gone through you being their coach or working with one of your other coaches. Yeah. Um, so have you had anyone who you've hired on through that method and they've kind of gotten in and it hasn't panned out? And and I guess how did you work through that? Yeah, gr- such a good question. <laughs> um, so early on, I used to certify people and then just take everybody, right? Because I was just excited to have certify and take. Everybody. I love that. <laughs> yeah. So so I learned from that experience that not everybody is a fit. So now we have a certification process, but not everybody is destined to be a uh, a frame of mind coach. So they get certified because they want to be better coaches in their companies, or they get certified because they want to be better parents or they want to take those coaching skills and apply them in their companies as leaders, etc. They just and quite frankly, going through certification is like taking another step in your own personal development. Learning to coach others is really profoundly about learning more about yourself, really. And so certification is a powerful experience, regardless of whether or not you become a coach. Okay. So and I'll say that. And can I, one thing that you said really quickly is you made the comment, someone going through certification um, through coaching to be better parents. I'm, I guess I'm curious about that. Could you, could you talk a little bit more to- about that? Oh, I could talk about that at length. <laughs> but let me just answer your other question and then come back. So, so just to, to complete that, now uh, we make people go through an extensive certification process and testing, et cetera, and they're invited in. And only when they're invited in do they then go through testing, et cetera, et cetera, to become a coach. So that answers that question. Not everybody becomes a frame of mind coach. So going back to parenting, so for me, amazing parents are amazing coaches. So when we think about what do we want for our children, we want them to grow up to be independent, kind, well-adjusted. We want them to be confident. We want them to be doing whatever they're passionate about. We want them to be uh, in good relationships. Like We want all these things for our kids. And one of those things that gets all that is is helping them make great decisions, right? Mm -hmm. So when they make great decisions, they live a better life. And that's really the crux of parenting is teaching, guiding, helping your kids to make great decisions. Unfortunately, a lot of parents end up stepping in and making decisions for their kids, nonstop telling them what to do. Go brush your teeth, go get dressed, uh, don't eat that, you're going to get a stomachache, you've had enough dessert, you have to eat first, then this. And on every single subject, parents are interfering. So what happens is kids... uh, don't end up making decisions. Parents make all their decisions for them. And then when they want to make decisions for themselves, they end up lying to their parents, <laughs> right? I'll make the decision and then I'll tell you I've done something differently. Why? Because I don't want to have a fight with my parents. I want harmony and collaboration with my parents. And and so parents inadvertently, right, for all the right reasons, all the greatest intentions, they care deeply and love their children. They want to protect their children. They, they interfere with their ability to get practice in making their own decisions. And so what is coaching about? What is learning to be a coach about? Learning to be a coach is about providing guidance for your children as opposed to really stepping in. It's about allowing your kids to make decisions and learning from those decisions. It's about being okay with your kid and really managing yourself 
when your kid is being who they are and which isn't always consistent with who you'd rather them be. And what I love about what you're saying is that, I mean, regardless if a person is going to get into certification or not, they need to be mindful of this when you have children. <laughs> I mean, we have so many problems out there um, where, I mean, we we give kids answers to remember instead of problems to solve. Yes. And that's what our education system is like. That's a good one. I'm going to take that one. You can take it. You can take it. <laughs> and so, and and that's the way I always do approach coaching as well, working with anyone, whether it's a friend, if I'm in a, you know, um, I, you know, I try not to like quote, be my friend's coach, but people in my life, that's what they'll know. I mean, I'm going to ask them questions to, and then they go, well, what do I do? And I'm like, don't ask me, don't outsource your thinking to me. You know, what are you ever going to learn? You know, we need to put people in those spots. We need to put ourselves more in those spots and in the power of journaling. um, And I love what you said, journaling juices. You said something a little bit ago. I love journaling juices (laughs) because do you know how hard it is for people to just begin the discipline of just writing down some things like just to write down what happened today? Right. You know what I mean? And, And developing their own coaching habit, like where they can end up saying, when this happens, instead of doing this, I will. Like just right. taking themselves through some simple exercises, it's like it's like pulling teeth. Yeah, it's like pulling teeth. But you know what? I, I want to go back to the parenting thing. And it's something that I, t- I, I talk to a lot of leaders about their parenting skills. And I'm, I'm excited about that because when you can change the relationship between a parent and a child, you're really changing the world. And so one of the things I tell parenting is parenting is about the parent. It's not actually about the child. If it were about the child, it would be called childing. But it's not called childing. It's called parenting. And so what is parenting really about? It's about self-management, managing yourself in the face of your child, figuring out who they are and trying different things out. In our house, we have written on the wall that pressure is a privilege and really going through that as a thing with with our kids that the, you know, you know, privilege, we, a lot of us look at it differently, but pressure definitely is a privilege. And we're trying to teach them that if you can come under pressure, it's amazing what will happen. It's like a seed. You can hold it in your hand all day long, squeeze it all day long, and you're not going to grow anything in your hand. But as soon as you put it in the ground, it's amazing what happens. The earth works all by itself, and that pressure, all the elements, all the things that are taking place to really pop that seed, to break the skin, to get it to open up, and to reveal its essence. And so adversity is actually going to reveal who you truly are, not who you say you are. Exactly. And so that's just a, a fun little thing that we do uh, with ours. Hey, I, I have a, um, a, a question for you. Um, you. You have a lot of energy, and I love it. We, we love people with energy. So um, with that energy, like what do you do to keep – to protect that, to keep – yourself in such a a positive frame of mind like what are some daily habits that you have for yourself i mean journaling obviously if you were to say you don't journal i'd be scared right now (laughs) (laughs) but what are yeah what are some other things that you do to just keep your you know keeping your 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 frame of mind in the direction of better outcomes, positive outcomes, better thinking, improved thinking, things like that. But it also keeps your spirit up. What do you do? So typically in the morning, I do three things. Sometimes I don't have enough time for all three things, but the goal is three things every morning. Um, Number one is I journal. Number two is I 
go on a treadmill and while I'm on the treadmill, I read something and it could be something positive or just a story that takes me away, right? So I do some reading. And number three is I do some meditation. And if I don't do the meditation in the morning, I do it at night before I sleep. But those three things kind of set the day. Okay. And um, kind of get your mind on straight. And I think that the way you wake up in the morning will determine the rest of your day, the, the rest of your week. And so people don't take enough time in the morning to set their their mind straight. They don't get their head on right for the day. So take that time. And what's amazing about that is if you take that time, 45 minutes, an hour in the morning, everything else moves faster. You're more productive. You get stuff done more efficiently and things roll with greater fluidity, you could say. And so take that time in the morning. That's my biggest recommendation right there. Awesome. Uh, and I think those are all great habits to have. Um, I know that mindset work, meditation, it's such an important part of just keeping yourself balanced and keeping yourself aligned. Um, and kind of going through that, I mean, your podcast, Crushing the Tough Stuff. So you're working with people. I mean, you're really digging into difficult issues. Um, you know, you're, you're working with people, getting a lot of trust built up, hearing a lot of their, you know, really inner thoughts and those difficult things they're dealing with in life. So while you're doing that, I mean, how do you how do you maintain the fun and, you know, and kind of that positivity and and how do you not, you know, let yourself get kind of sucked in, you know, to the to the the darkness or those challenges that uh, you're helping people work through? I'll explain that with a, like a lot of ease, actually. So I have a very different philosophy than most coaches about the concept of empathy. When we think about coaching, we think that great coaches have empathy. And I would suggest to you that being empathetic, having empathy is very dangerous in coaching. Why? What is empathy? Exactly. If you look up the definition, it's feeling the emotions of someone else, putting yourself in their shoes and feeling what they feel. And so my philosophy is this, is that if I feel the emotions of my clients, then what that does is it debilitates me as much as they are debilitated. So imagine this, I am walking by a park and I see someone drowning in a pool. What do they feel? They feel breathless. They feel desperate. They are thrashing about. The last thing they will want from me is to feel those feelings. What they want from me is compassion, to see them in the pool, see that they need help, but also envision them out of the pool. Because if I can't imagine helping them, then I'm useless, right? So I have to see them in the pool drowning and I have to plant myself solidly on the edge of the pool and and reach in and pull them out. In order for me to do that, I have to have conviction that I have the ability to pull them out and I have to have the conviction that they'll be fine on the other side of the pool and that this is a temporary experience. So whenever I talk to any of my clients, I envision them way further ahead than where they are. Mm -hmm. So I don't fall into the trap of empathy. It doesn't serve them. It doesn't serve me. It makes me a bad coach if I become empathetic. So I don't. I stay compassionate. Of course, I have feelings, right? Like I, I understand where they're coming from. I, I, I can imagine perhaps what they're going through, although I don't go through what they're going through. And I help them see themselves in a far better place. As a coach, that's what I need to do. I need to do it for me and my health, right? For my mental mm -hmm. health. And I need to do it for them. So I don't fall into the trap of empathy. That's awesome. I love that. <laughs> That's really good. Yeah. Very great explanation there. Thank you so much for making it so clear. Um, I, have, I have a question for you. Momentum to me is a big thing. I'm a big momentum person. And 
Um, and I'm one of those that believes that momentum does not come looking for you. And it can be easy for some people or easier to create momentum, but others, it's not one of those things that, you know, they, they struggle with momentum. Um, what do you do to create the necessary momentum for yourself, not just in your field of work, but just in your life in general to actually get things moving? To get things moving. I think one of the things that I do and that I recommend is to, you know, we always collect evidence to support our beliefs, right? We collect evidence to support our belief that things are going poorly. And we collect evidence to support our belief that things are going well. And both of those are uh, actions we can take at any given time. And if we do either one of them, we will find evidence to support either of those beliefs. And so one of the things I actively try to do is look for evidence to support the belief that, man, I live such a rich life. And, and I don't mean just financially rich. I mean in every way. I have wonderful children. I have a great relationship with my husband. I'm lucky in that my parents are still alive. Even though they're not well, they're still here. I, I'm lucky in the business that I get to run, in that I do what I love and I'm passionate, super passionate about it, that I am surrounded by the most interesting people in the world, that I get to learn about people's stories. Like if I work on that, collecting evidence that I live a rich life and I do that consistently, that creates the momentum I'm looking for. Awesome. Have you ever had, have you ever had momentum going in the wrong direction? Of course. And what, you did, know, you, and what did you do to course correct? I'll give you a perfect example. Okay. <laughs> I, I, and I'm being completely transparent. So yesterday was family day and, and I have five children. <laughs> All right. This and, is relevant. I love <laughs> and, it. <laughs> and, and, and family day is a big deal in my world. And I've been spending like the past, let's call it four, five, six months, you know, on a health kick, eating really well, exercising. Like I'm as clean as a whistle, you could say, not drinking any alcohol, just totally cool, clean. But family day is a big deal. And so yesterday we took our family uh, knife throwing, I know, kind of strange, but it was very <laughs> cool. Um, That's awesome. And then, and then we went for dinner and we brought snacks. And man, did I ever fall off the wagon on every front, every front. It was awful. I woke up this morning, I got on the scale, I was 2.4 pounds more than yesterday in one day. And so. <laughs> Uh, to say that I was in a bad mood this morning is a bit of an understatement, but do I sound like I'm in a bad mood now? I'm not. It's gone, right? <laughs> and so so what, do, what did I do to course correct is I said, okay, today's a new day. I don't have to keep on that track. I can clean up again. I can start anew. I can get back to where I was. I don't have to keep that going, right? And so it requires a bit of muscle, you could say, I definitely journaled this morning. I, you know, I'm drinking a whole bunch of green tea and water. I'm just, you know, like I'm just trying to clean it up. And so sometimes when you're down a bad path, it requires effort to turn yourself around. But what happens if you don't make that effort? You're, you're down a deeper, darker, longer more miserable path for an extended period of time. And I can't afford that. Like I don't have time for that. And so part of the journaling is I don't have time for this. I got to turn myself around right now. Yeah. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> the knife throwing then, is great. I had uncles I, when we were kids that <laughs> used to uh, 
uh, practice with steak knives, seeing if they could throw the <laughs> knives while we were tied to doorknobs that were in these Very two nice. doors that came together. And so until that's that went on until my mom found out about it. <laughs> there you go. Uh, well. Kim, I love kind of hearing, you know, being on a kind of health kick and, you know, really doing those things. You know, you talked about journaling and, you know, walking, uh, reading, meditation and all those things you do to invest in yourself. Um, What are three things that you are most optimistic about this year? About this year? I'm optimistic about my health. That's for sure. Uh, You know, definitely taking a sharp 180 on that one this year. Absolutely. And it's been going generally very well. Number two is I'm super optimistic about my business. It's been growing steadily, but I feel like this year it's not just going to grow steadily. It's going to take a major leap forward. And the third thing I'm optimistic about is, again, I have five kids and I'm very optimistic about their futures and where they're all heading, all in very different directions. But I see them kind of carving and charting their own course. And that's very, very exciting for me. That's awesome. Well, where would you like folks to uh, find you and engage more? Because I'm sure people are going to be curious. I mean, if my li- if the listeners, if our listeners aren't like going, man, she's cool. And I mean, I think they're going to go check your stuff out. So what, where would you like to send them your main places? Yeah, best place to find us is at frameofmindcoaching.com. We've got blogs, we've got videos. And one of the things that I encourage everybody to do is there's an assessment right there on the front page. And you said something earlier that I thought was really right on the money, which is you got to know where you are in order to know where you want to go. And that assessment allows you to take a snapshot of where you are right now, kind of in your mindset. And it gives you kind of just general questions, but then journaling questions to really understand how you're thinking about what's going on in your life. And that would be a great first starting point in terms of interacting with us. And that assessment goes to one of our coaches who will review it with you free of charge. So I encourage everybody, frameofmindcoaching.com, to try that out. Well, that's great. And thank you so much, uh, Kim. It was wonderful to have you on the show. And we just appreciate all the time and, you know, you letting us kind of dig a little bit deeper into you, the person, and also hear about your journey. Thank you so much. It was such a, a fun conversation. I really appreciate the opportunity. Well, this has been another episode of Uphill Conversations, and we are so grateful for you listening in. And please check out those resources. And always remember, you can be more, do more, and have more. And everything worth having is uphill. But most importantly, you will see people like myself, Megan, and Kim on the hill. You've been listening to Uphill Conversations. If you'd like to hear more, subscribe to the show at uphillconversations.co. See you on the hill.